0: Hello, everybody, it is Thursday, May 20th, 2021. Uh, Just wanna give you guys a current events update. There's actually so much we're gonna talk about here. Wanted to give you guys kind of a bulleted list of amazing uh, different topics, really. I think it's gonna be really fun. Uh, For those of you who are listening and you haven't yet done so, please leave a five-star. Even if you just pound that five-star button on the podcast, it helps a lot. It helps a lot with search engines. It helps with, you know, uh, being able to, you know, Even if you want to tell your story, of course, telling people uh, what you think about the podcast, what you like about it the most, uh, because the podcast is growing. And so I want to acknowledge anyone who is brand new listening to this podcast right now you are amazing i don't know how you found me uh, whether it's through a friend or family member or you just randomly searched me somehow all of those things are totally fine with me Uh, i'd love for you to reach out i am very connected with my audience um at least it's it's in a reasonable uh, size right now where i can really have a relationship with at least most of you um, and so if you do want that, you can reach me on social media, follow me on Instagram. I'll put it in the description below. Uh, you can add me on Facebook if you'd like. Uh, and if we really get to know each other, we can even have a phone call. Uh, we can have a real conversation. You can ask me all these questions if you'd like. I'd love to know what you know, because something is important. Uh, that's called human agency and uh, humet, which is human intelligence. I get a lot of information and I get a lot of opinions privately DM to me about different things, different topics. And this is why I've been able to create a well-versed idea about the world. I do a lot of research uh, and I do not have one or two influences in my life that connect me with information. I have multiple. I even read globalist Or you would say uh, elitist publications because I want to know what they are saying. I like to know what the enemy is saying. What is the enemy up to? Because there is an enemy. If you're new to the podcast, you will acknowledge this as the Matrix. The Matrix exists. And you've got to learn how to decode it. And this is what we're doing now. We're breaking the Matrix. So just appreciate all of you. and. If you don't know this, if you're a new listener, um, the way to support my work, you don't donate, I don't have a Patreon, I don't have an OnlyFans, I don't have any of this donation stuff. Maybe I should do donation, I have no idea, probably will rack in some money doing that. What I believe is I'm an entrepreneur. I started this entire venture as a, a capitalist and someone who liked business. So for me, I want to exchange with you. I want to provide you a product. Or service, and you enjoy it in return, and that's how we exchange energy. So for me right now, uh, one of the best ways to support my work is to shop at Longevity. Uh, There is a link in the description below that you can tune tune into uh, after the podcast or during if you'd like to just shop there. It is a wellness company that is dedicated to all of its ingredients. Uh, it's such a powerful um, Company overall, in terms of the mission and what they're going, what they're doing. I've been involved for seven years. This isn't some affiliate thing. This is uh, really something that I live, I breathe it, uh, and uh, it's it's just done tremendous things for me and so if you're out there right now listening and you're plagued with a health concern of yours uh, and you feel like there's no hope and there's no way to turn this around or or reverse this uh, progression of disease or illness or ailment or injury that you have currently I'm telling you right now you need to look at supplementation through longevity uh, and you need to get in contact with me because I can help you I am your buddy uh, in terms of that so I'll leave a link there but really I'd love for you to reach out to me more than anything in the world reach out to me. That goes for anybody. You're more than welcome to reach out. So if you want to support my work, definitely be a customer of Longevity. And if you're interested in the business, we can also discuss that further. Uh, we've got a great distributorship program with Longevity and that's what I've been able to do to make an income. So if you're out there listening, you feel like you're an influencer, you feel like you want to make money somehow uh, by sharing your thoughts on the internet, sharing your thoughts through a podcast or a show of your own, then consider longevity, So we can have that conversation. I've trained and mentored people to be able to uh, do that, right? Host their own shows and have longevity as a sponsorship, essentially not getting paid, you know, just a fee or whatever, but actually being paid in commissions uh, and creating commissionable volume through the company. So not going to go on a rant on that, but just for those new listeners, that is the most exciting part about this podcast is I am really self-funded. I don't listen to anybody tell me what to say or what to do or what to think. I just do my own thing. Uh, and so this is the organic version of my podcast. So I'm going to try right now. If it's not going to work, that's fine. Uh, I was trying to go live on Instagram earlier. It wasn't working. So hopefully we'll get some live questions, maybe some comments. And if you're Wondering if I'm referring to somebody that's somewhere it's gonna be somebody on Instagram live So got a microphone here talking to you guys and then I've got the phone in front of me Which will hopefully uh, be able to get some live content going so let me go ahead and try to start this uh, boot this thing up Okay, if it doesn't work, then uh, we'll we'll roll with something else here Give me one second guys, I'm gonna try to launch this real quick Okay, let's see if this works. Alrighty, if you're listening to this right here on Instagram, I'm gonna tell you that this is gonna be recorded on podcast. You can find it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, whichever you prefer. Uh, And you can find that in the link in my bio. So I've got a link tree, uh, you know, and it's your opportunity to just select any link there. It'll take you either straight to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. So feel free to do that um and today is going to be a riveting podcast i already know it i've manifested it i've got some bulleted points that i want to show you guys uh no it's not the link in the bio it's not an only fans i know we're working that out uh maybe that'll happen in the future uh but uh shit i mean with everybody getting banned everywhere to be honest uh only fans or patreon or something like that might even just be the last bastion the wild west If you will, for content, right? Because they don't really moderate content there, right? Because there's essentially people doing all kinds of stuff on those platforms. So, um, very excited. So, if you're just joining on a live podcast or on the live interview here, feel free to uh, ask a question, have a conversation. I've got eight points that I want to make here, and it's going to cover the news and information that has been going wild everywhere uh, over the last week. So let's start with number one on my list, which I think is one of the most significant developments and is more of an optimistic, uh, positive development, I think, this week, which was the mask mandates being uplifted all over the country. So, uh, you know, I was kind of referring to this on my Instagram a little bit. For the podcast listeners, don't follow me on Instagram yet, should, and uh, you'll get more of that little clip information. So I was basically saying how you know, the week prior, I was watching the Senate testimony where we had uh, Dr. Fauci once again going up to the Senate. And this time, uh, Dr. Senator uh, Rand Paul, who's also a doctor, by the way, he was able to basically go scorched earth on Dr. Fauci and reveal to the world through C-SPAN. And, and guys, I understand that some of you knew this for a year now, uh, like I was saying on the podcast, but is that the COVID-19 was a, you know, most accurately described as a bioweapon, a project that was worked on in Chapel Hill and the University of North Carolina. And because of the controversy, and it was in a scientific journal, this Wuhan or this uh, virus was sent to Wuhan, China, which is another biological weapons lab. And for their credit, they say that they do this kind of research to avoid a pandemic or to make a, to make a, uh, a vaccine, right? This is their description of why they would make these, these bioweapons, right? Because they say, well, this is our opportunity to make a vaccine to prepare for, uh, of, of a, a pandemic. And so whether it was leaked from the lab or whether it was deliberately released, um, Who knows, I have a a really strong feeling that uh, the Chinese communists have a reason to release that onto the world. um, And that seems more, honestly, just seems more, uh, and everything I say here is just, it actually is more believable. Uh, You know, I actually just said this on my Facebook. I said, it actually takes more faith to be an atheist. So like to just not believe in shit uh, than it would to actually believe in some kind of creator, to believe in God. It actually takes more faith to believe in nothing. Okay, that this this whole universe that around that's around us, Earth, everything about it, the whole, all of creation is just meaning meaningless, uh, and then just you know, there's there's no divine being that's you know helping us understand the world, right? Or or has a purpose for us or anything like that. Like that's that's a lot of faith, right? Well, it would take a lot of faith for anyone to believe that nothing that happened over the last year was not pre-planned or spoken about prior or had something to do with, with people in, in positions of power trying to institute uh, their authority. Uh, this is just something that's so common, I think now more than ever. So with the mask mandates being uplifted, what that really means is it's it's the end of the pandemic. It's the end of the program. Uh, but this is just program one. Um, but let me just tell you really quick. The reason why this happened was because of not just Rand Paul, but it happened because the spin that people were on around masks and around vaccines and this entire pandemic was uh, getting old. And any propagandists fundamentally understand that you can't keep running the same story. I think Abraham Lincoln famously said, you can fool the people. You can fool some of the people, some of all the people sometimes, but you can't fool everyone all the time. I'm I'm, I'm butchering that, but it's like, you can fool the people. Sometimes you can keep it going for a while, but you can't fool everyone all the time. So, you know, you got to kind of, uh, you got to kind of switch it up. And, uh, this is what we're realizing now, right? is all of this insanity is kind of leading us to where they have to shift positions and it happened because of people like us. It happened because of people like you and I who were bitching and who were saying the truth, okay? Uh, openly. And you know, we were the ones who were who were calling the bullshit out. And there was no scientific evidence presented in Congress that actually said we should end the mask mandate because science. No literally no reason at all it was no science at all it was just hey we're gonna just go ahead and say that there's there uh, the vaccine works because they realize that if you have the mask mandate even though you've gotten the vaccine that kind of doesn't add up right because you're supposed in the in the propagandist world right you're supposed to be safe from COVID-19 if you've got the vaccine, right? So you you can't do two plus two equals five for a very long time. Even propagandists and authoritarians who wanted to keep the masks, who wanted to keep the economic lockdowns and all this stuff for their own reasons, okay? I'm not gonna get into everybody's idea about it. But even for them, they realized that the gig was up, that it's just time to move on, okay? But there's a lot of, uh, even this week, I've just noticed, I mean, look, I go to the gym. I go to Gold's Gym here. And the Gold's Gym, people are not wearing masks, okay? Instantly. And I know that not everybody got vaccines in that Gold's Gym. I talk to these people. I know what they're like, okay? uh, We all just ditched the mask. Like everyone just ditched it. Everywhere I go now, people are just not wearing it. That's not because they're all vaccinated. According to the o- CDC numbers, about a third of adults are vaccinated right now. And most of those people are old. So it's like, Bunch of people without masks on, they ain't vaccinated. So they all just screwed this whole thing up. So I want y'all to understand that like some people, they remain negative. They're like, oh my gosh, you know, it's all controlled. It's never going to go away. It's all just terrible. You can't stay that way because even uh, even for authoritarians, it's just they're not even that strong. They're not even that powerful. They actually cannot actually, they can't hold the water weight, which is, The American people, or just the the citizens overall, because eventually they have to give it all up. And so they didn't work. They didn't work in the the passports on time. Uh, They screwed that up. So they don't have vaccine passports. Companies that have required their workers to get vaccinated are having to backtrack, like days later, sometimes in the same day, are having to backtrack and say, "Okay, you don't need the vaccine to work here, but we kind of recommend it. But it's okay if you don't want to." And it's so. Because what's happening now, by the way, is you you can't have all this this stuff going on because watch, this is how, if you understand the whole world, you can't have a forced vaccine passport to work somewhere, okay? Or to go to school when there's no one working. McDonald's is paying $50 to interview people. People don't want to work because they're getting welfare. So you, you can't have both worlds. You can't have a company say, You need to get vaccinated with an experimental biological agent that's not approved by the FDA and the trials aren't done until 2023 and has all kinds of side effects. You need to get vaccinated to work here. Oh, okay. I quit then. Company responds. Holy shit. We can't hire anybody because nobody wants to work. We need you to stay. Okay. Well, I'm not getting the vaccine. Great. We'll change the policy then. No one needs a vaccine then. Why'd you say you needed it in the first place? We don't even know that's what companies sound like right now. They sound ridiculous. Okay. So just understand that even the institutions of power, they're powerless. They need everyone's compliance. They cannot believe that we Americans on average are not taking the vaccine the the experimental biological agent the trials aren't done till 2023 mRNA all these other things that have never been done before in humans all of the animals and animal studies and the Corpus Christi universities uh, or the uh, Texas a m over there with the biological weapons program all that stuff all the animals died in those programs with ADE which is like a long-term health effect which is only found in animals that's why you do animal trials because animals have shorter lifespans so you're able to see an entire life cycle within a few months or a year or so in an animal like a like a mouse or a rat or whatever because you're able to uh, consolidate a research project in that animal within a year. You're, you're finished, right? You're, the, the whole project of f- start to finish. Like when somebody gets this particular prescription drug or this kind of uh, treatment or this vaccine, we can see the whole lifespan. I, uh, I, well, this is just like ideally. Uh, you see the whole lifespan of that animal and how that experimental thing, how, what, how that affected their entire life. Well, in all of the animal trials, the, all the animals died short shortly thereafter within, you know, I guess you would call it uh, within two to five human years, right? But this is in the animal trials. You don't know that because you're not reading this stuff. I'm sitting here having to read all of these medical documents. So I'm like reading these experiments and what happened, it's all doctor language. And remember, this these animal experiments were done before, before any of this. And in the SPARS document... Okay. Nope. Not this one. I got to show y'all because it's important. Okay. In this, in this document, I have an odd, a document right here. I've showed you guys this many times. Those of y'all listening to the podcast are already just, y'all already know what I'm talking about. Okay. Right here in this spars document, they have a prediction document. This was released in 2018. They said a coronavirus would outbreak, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And they said that the vaccine would have bad side effects two to three years later and that there would be all of this money paid out by the government through the prep act, which was su- in the, in the, in the, here it was, it was used and also was signed into, uh, into, I don't know, it's not, it's not a law, but it was signed by emergency authorization on March 10th of 2020, the prep act, the prep act is essentially saying that any by uh, any, what they call medical countermeasure which basically is anything vaccine treatment any of that right that's what that's what a medical countermeasure any medical countermeasure says it right there in the prep act is uh not liable okay so vaccines are already not liable since the uh 19 uh what is it 1984 1986 vaccine act not liable for any damages then you have a pandemic where a prep act is authorized which basically says anything fucking goes which I'm very cool with Let's let anything go, right? Let's try marijuana, cannabis. Let's try psilocybin, mushrooms to heal your problem, right? Let's try to do all these things. No, it's not about that. It's not about medical freedom. It's like, oh, anything's good, but the media will propagandize to you what they say is good. And then we're gonna take actually good things like vitamin C and vitamin and we're gonna demonize those people who are healthy and who take supplements, okay? Uh, we're gonna demonize them, and then we're gonna make the only real... Antiviral pharmaceutical that's so well known in Africa. It's called the Sunday pill. That's how well known it is in Africa, called hydroxychloroquine. We're going to take that off the market. We're going to make that illegal. We're going to make that to where you cannot get it prescribed to you if you have COVID 19. So, again, not going to rehash a lot of that with you guys today uh, because we already know. But I'm just telling you that the reason why the pandemic is over is not because this is some big plan that they're trying to do. I really don't see it that way. The way I see it is that it's people like me and you, the annoying people who walk into a store without a mask on, the annoying people who are out here sharing this information, exposing what's really going on, having, and, and not just that on social media, but really having conversations with human beings that are right next to you. Can you please have a conversation with those people? Can you talk to them about this? And it's it's that human agency, which is this idea of, us interacting human, human intelligence. We're all connecting with each other. And in private closed door conversations, most of us agree. Most of us are skeptical about what's going on. So that you and I are the reason why the masks are over. Okay. Moving on from there. What is the second thing I wanted to talk about? Well, in terms of current events, well, let me read some of these comments real quick. Um, let's see deaths. Uh, yeah, yeah. Appreciate Dom. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you all perspective on what's next. We're going we're going there. Oh, I mean, look at this, right? Power grid, the the on the the uh the uh pipeline being shut down. I'm gonna give you all a hint, okay? I'm gonna give you all a hint. The gasoline pipeline that was from Port Arthur, Texas, pretty much what all the way to North Carolina, pretty much like that. There's just that's just one. There's so many of them, by the way. That was sabotaged. It wasn't Russian hackers. OK, it was and, and, the, and the, uh, the head of the company, one of the specialists who was one of the chief engineers of that company, basically just openly said it was the CIA who shut down our pipeline. He thinks it's the CIA. Now, again, he's not some conspiracy kook. The guy was the chief engineer over there at the uh, Colonial Pipeline is the Colonial Pipeline there. There's the company that manages it. He openly says, yeah, the, the, best descri- the best explanation for what happened was the CIA shut it down, okay? I actually didn't even, I didn't even bring that up in my uh, list of things to talk about with you guys, but how stupid is that? What's happening is war, okay? You're at war right now, and we are at war with the authoritarian institutional powers, right? I refer to it as the matrix to kind of better define it in a more culturally uh, acceptable way. Because it, maybe you can wrap your head around that. So we're at war. And, and what's happening with energy, this is what you do when you go to war. You bomb supply factories. You destroy uh, energy factories. You, you destroy their means of production. That's how you destroy a civilization. This is how you go to war with a country. I'm not saying it's China. I am literally telling you guys that it is globalism, China being a part of that engine. But it is globalism and it is globalists... In our own government, Republican and Democrat of all political parties, all political backgrounds who are in this belief of shutting down America and changing the way we exist and not even doing it in, to, to to make the world a better place or make the world more fair. No, it's to destroy the one country that has had the most success, the most prosperity, has done more in terms of freedom uh, and in terms of, of prosperity than any other country in in recent history and pro, well, overall. Okay. Uh, do we have a lot of problems? Is there an American empire aspect to this? Absolutely. You know, I'm reading a book. Uh, well, I was listening to this one. I'm reading a different one, but I'm listening to a book called an economic, the economic, the wait, it's called confessions of an economic hitman, write that down, listen to that book. Most of you may not understand it completely. But if you just listen to the first hour of that book, honestly, just hour or two hours of that book, you will come to an understanding that most people don't get about the way the world works. And how the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, the Bank of England, the Federal Reserve Bank – these are all centralized banks – they give money in loans to third world nations – But sabotage those nations in order to do a asset reclaim, meaning like declaring bankruptcy on those third world countries. So the third world countries with their corrupt governments, the World Bank comes in with these economic hitmen. And this guy tells his story about how he did this in, um, there was, uh, it it was in Singapore, Indonesia, uh, he did this in uh, Peru, and he did this in um, Iran. Oh, well, he tried to do it in Iran. Iran rebelled, and that's why we're still at war with Iran today. So, a lot of history in the book. But the point is, is we. The World Bank goes in, gives away money, loans the money to these governments, these government politicians, these bureaucrats in these third world countries, they sign the documents basically saying, Hey, we're gonna sign over all of this and we're gonna we're gonna pay this back. It's gonna be great, and wonderful, we're gonna build a bridge, or we're gonna get electricity, we're gonna get a hydro power plant here, we're gonna, you know, build coal here, we're gonna let, you know, shell companies come in and, and drill oil here in this resourceful area, we're gonna let another resource go, give it to another American company or another British company or something like British Petroleum or whatever, right? And then what happens is the big corporations come in there, start doing the work, and then eventually those, those nations, those third world countries or the companies involved with that, they, they declare bankruptcy because there's no way to pay back the loan. A lot of the times, if we get to that point, we actually – we overthrow countries uh, by causing a civil war inside of their country. We did it in Libya. We have tried to do it in Syria. We were fail, We failed there. Uh, Because Trump came into office, and it wasn't—it wasn't the U.S. failing. It was actually—it was foreign. uh, It was this foreign affairs that has been destroying our nation uh, for a long time. These these overseas war. This is we're developing war, and uh, well, that gives me the Israeli conflict as well. But I'll get to that second. And uh, yeah, you know, there's just a lot going on in terms of that, and that's how the world economic system works. Okay, we the World Bank gives money away in loans to third world countries and then bankrupts those third world countries and then they are owned their resources are owned in many cases to declare bankruptcy those countries literally have to sell the most valuable resources in their country to large corporations as their payback so they're defaulting on the loans and they say look you know when you're bankrupt or when you when you get evicted what is really happening well the bank is seizing your home. So you got a mortgage and then you don't pay the mortgage, right? And then, you know, four months goes by, six months goes by, depending on what state you're in and how the laws work there. Eventually the bank can send the police to go evict you from your house because you do not, you are defaulting on your your mortgage payment, right? And so what happens then? Well, they, they revoke your mortgage and they say, look, you didn't pay it up and you didn't pay us back for the mortgage. We gave you the house, you moved in. And you were paying the mortgage payments. Now you're not paying it anymore. And so, guess what? The bank is going to seize the house and is going to have the house, and it's going to be it's going to belong to the bank, right? So the same thing is happening with third world countries all over the place. So I I went on a tangent there. Uh, it's it's not a tangent to you because. Y'all are just listening to this, uh, but it's a tangent for me because it's not what I was wanting to focus on today. But if you want to really learn how the world works, how these banking institutions do this kind of thing and how they use economists, quote unquote, economists to go into different countries to actually find out what's going on, you need to listen to or, or read the book Ec- uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. Confessions of an Economic Hitman, fat, fantastic book uh, that I'm learning a lot from right now. So yeah. Anyway, um, let's see. What's going on here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, George Soros is one of those types of people. No, but there are actually hitmen that are hired to go into a specific country to do specific things to assess, make an economic assessment of a country and to provide documents and a report. And that report is then used by those companies to get the loan that is needed. So they have to get this report, this economic report of, oh, this country's gonna have great economic activity when it's kind of hogwash. And then the World Bank approves the loan and then it's then gifted to, or loaned to uh, these countries to go build something, do something with a power plant, blah, blah, blah. And so anyway, not to go on a tangent there. So what happened with crypto this week, right? So a lot of people were hyped last weekend Was it last weekend? I can't even remember now. I think it was last weekend, last Saturday. We had uh, Elon Musk on Saturday Night Live. Man, was that two weeks ago now? Anyway, the point is there was a lot of people having FOMO, okay? I was one of those people. I was like, well, I should have been in this. I should have been in that coin. I should have had more of this. I should have had more of that. I would have made more money if I did, blah, blah, blah. Uh, And you know what? It was, that was okay for me. But at the same time, a lot of people were getting very, uh, they were new to crypto. I saw a lot of people who had never invested before. Uh, People were hitting me up. They were asking me about investing. They were asking me what they should do. They were asking me about different coins and stuff like that. And I just noticed. I was like, "Hey, you know, this is kind of cool. You know, crypto's really kind of reached a crescendo. Uh, this is a new paradigm for cryptocurrencies, and I, I think a lot of people are getting on board with it, right?" And then you had a number of different reasons why there was a a, a a market correction, and they call it a correction because it's it's not as bad sounding, but it's true. You know, you can't just you don't you don't just have a bullish market going all all up. Period. Like all the time you're going to have corrections, you're going to have where people are making massive profits, right? So the people who are in early, they're making massive profits, they know the market's gonna go down and correct itself and what they call stabilize, what they call consolidate, so you see the graph's going like up, 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 up. Well, eventually it's going to consolidate. It's not going to go all the way back down, but it'll consolidate at a set price. And you know you want to hit a new uh, kind of an all, a new all-time high, but then kind of hit uh, a, a pattern where there's a Fibonacci sequence. It's all mathematics, and people get really into it. But the point is, is you kind of want to level out a little bit just below an all-time high, right? Just below an all-time high. So so what happens is when there's all-time highs that are being hit you have a lot of people who are holding a lot of currencies and you know they say to themselves hey you know what i'm i'm really cashing in right now i'm going to go ahead and sell so then these big holders they sell their currency and then that's how the market starts to dip because people got out because they know the market's high and they're going to go ahead and leave because they're going to take their money and put it somewhere else and that's what you want to be doing really with altcoins. Altcoins, in my opinion, is like a casino. It's uh, really it's hit and miss. A lot of altcoins, no matter how much you believe in it, there's been so many over the years, and they a lot of them have failed. You know, they just don't work. They don't really have value after a while. Uh, they're not being they're not being utilized. And the utilization of a particular currency is very important when it comes to these kinds of digital cryptocurrencies, right? And so I just found that very very interesting. And I think that everyone needs to understand something is Bitcoin. Bitcoin, not any other currency. Bitcoin is going to end up becoming the world reserve currency. That's the mission. And the mission is really not just to have it as a world reserve currency. The the, the overall mission of Bitcoin is to destroy the central banks. That is what the overall purpose is of Bitcoin. It's not so you can make money. This is the problem with people getting into cryptocurrency. Look, if you want to just make money then buy little altcoins, okay? But if you're looking to invest long-term and you wanna have the new gold, the new digital gold, you want to buy Bitcoin, okay? You wanna accumulate as much Bitcoin as you possibly can. If you're making money, you're making profits with an altcoin right now, you need to not cash out, but you need to take a part of those profits and you need to buy more Bitcoin with it. And you need to continue to hold Bitcoin forever. Because Bitcoin is very, very re- relatable to gold. When people talk about res- uh, saving or buying gold, they're, you're not hearing a lot about oh how you're going to make a lot of money when you buy gold. That's not the purpose of buying gold. The purpose of buying gold is to protect your savings. What does that mean? Gold is valuable no matter what is going on in the economy. The dollar isn't backed by gold, but gold increases in value as inflation goes up. Your dollar decreases in value as inflation goes up. Your purchasing power with the dollar is going down depending on um, the year. I think it's between Two and 5% a year. So if you had $100 in a savings account last year, then by this year, that $100 is worth about $98 to $95 as it would be in last year, but this year, okay? Because you're losing buying power. What does that mean? You're not losing the money, the money is losing the value in the market. When you buy gold, you store gold and whenever you're ready to maybe uh buy a house or invest in something or make a big purchase you sell some of your gold and your gold will have increased in value it's not going to be your million dollar scheme you know you're not going to make a million bucks just buying gold that's not that's not how gold works gold is just going to protect that 5% increase so think about it if you're going 5% in buying power and decreasing over time with, with holding your fiat currency, the Federal Reserve notes that you have in your bank account. Well, then you're increasing between 2 and 5% if you're holding on to gold. So gold is almost a perfect uh, uh, relationship, inverse, with the money system. Okay? Bitcoin is exponentially growing, much faster than gold. And we're at a trillion dollar market cap. Okay, just so you understand, gold is the target for Bitcoin. Okay, we want to overpass the value of gold in the world. Did you hear what I just said? Bitcoin is going to become a 10 trillion dollar asset value on the world. It's what they call a market cap, it's market value is going to be worth. trillion. When this happens, Bitcoin, a digital currency that has totally decentralized, will be more valuable than gold. When this occurs, people, nations everywhere, like Iran and others, are going to look at Bitcoin as a more reliable currency. Because if we were to go back on a gold standard, the world would be... uh, extremely fiscally responsible let's just put it that way they would be extremely fiscally responsible but with bitcoin creating a larger market cap than gold and the future people are going to look to bitcoin to do trade to do business now to transact and to do all these other things that we we rely on currencies to do that's where altcoins come in altcoins are going to be the way in which we will transact with particular industries or different companies or different countries. Bitcoin will become a reserve, meaning it's like if if we don't agree on Cardano, I'm not a Cardano holder, but you are, let's say, for example, or you, you like Cardano, I don't. You want the pillow I'm selling you, and I don't want Cardano. So what we do instead is we meet in the middle. Where's the middle? Bitcoin you buy some bitcoin you 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 with your cardano and then you give me that bitcoin in return and that's an exchange that was an equal exchange because i have your bitcoin i didn't want your cardano coins i wanted your bitcoin cuz that is the that is going to be the world reserve currency that's what everyone can rely on because now that i have bitcoin I can transact with another altcoin, using an altcoin. I can use Bitcoin and buy another altcoin. Uh, you know, I can buy Doge with that Bitcoin and then use Doge in a marketplace that's that it's available to, to buy or sell with Doge. So that's how these altcoins are going to end up working in the future. But Bitcoin, if you accumulate more of it, you're going to want to have it as a storehouse of wealth that's going to increase over time. But more importantly, uh, that you have as a reserve. Does that make any sense? We need to start thinking like other countries are thinking, like Iran, Russia, Ukraine, and these other countries are starting to sort of wake up to this idea that the U.S. currency and the U.S. monetary policy is just honestly unacceptable at this point. We cannot continue doing this, okay? Um, That's a good question. What happens when the digital system is compromised? So I will tell you this. I'm going to take a sip of water before that, actually. Okay, so... Here's the problem. Banking institutions are compromised. Okay. When people hack into a bank or they, you've seen this with Wells Fargo, right? There was a big deal with, I I bank with Wells Fargo. I mean, I've been there for a while. I'm not going to really do anything about it. The point is, is the Wells Fargo system was hacked, right? And I think that they had to like issue new debit credit cards to people. I remember I was one of them. I mean, it was a whole scandal. So with Bitcoin, you're asking about if a digital system is compromised. Well, the, the, The reason that Bitcoin is any any value at all is because it is not only decentralized, but the way the blockchain actually works, the way the actual technology works, is it's uncompromisable. You cannot, you can't actually hack Bitcoin. You can't steal someone's Bitcoin. You can steal someone's Bitcoin if you get in their wallet, right? But you can't actually hack the system, the actual Bitcoin currency. In order to do that, you would have to go through half of the blockchain connections because that's how it works. It's, it's a, it's a widespread network of nodes all over the world. And those nodes all accept and fire off on this, um, on a transaction, they all approve it. And it's a decentralized approval process. If you're trying to transfer one, you know, Bitcoin to another or Bitcoin to, you know, person to person, or if you're trying to transact with it with a company and it's going from you to a company entity, the thing with what Bitcoin is doing is the blockchain itself, it goes through a system where it's all recognized and it's all confirmed through different nodes that are that are random and spontaneous and decentralized all over the world. So in order to hack Bitcoin, you'd have to actually reverse engineer how Bitcoin is transacted. You'd have to at least do the blockchain, you'd have to do at least half of the blockchain, you'd have to corrupt at least half, then you can rewrite it, and then you can, let's say, deposit all the Bitcoin in your bank account or something, right, in your digital wallet. But what will happen is, as soon as there's a corruptible place inside of Bitcoin, Bitcoin will also automatically cor- correct itself. So anyway, that's kind of a thing I, I wanted to say, I, we can also, you can message me about that later, but that's why Bitcoin is so valuable, okay? So what's the answer to the market falling? Well, guess what? It's going to go back up and altcoins got hit hard because this is what happens when the market falls, alternative currencies, alternative coins, right? These smaller tokens out there, they get hit the hardest because there's no, there's not a lot of certainty with them, but there's a whopper amount of certainty with Bitcoin. So I just want you guys to understand that you need to be holding on to Bitcoin and only invest in altcoins, what you're willing to lose, because yes, they can make you a lot of money because they're all tiny, you know, it's like a percentage of a percentage of a cent, you know, or whatever. And you buy a bunch of them, a million of them, but you don't know for sure where that's going to go. But again, the percentages can increase a lot, but what you do with those profits is you buy more Bitcoin. Just keep buying more Bitcoin and use the altcoins as a a matter of making a profit if you'd like to. So that's really what I'd like to say about that. Um, But I want to say that I was reading in The Economist. uh, I'm actually a member of The Economist. If you want to know what globalists actually think and the financial institutions actually think and how they how they operate, you need to be a member of The Economist. The Economist is one of the most well-known publications in the world. And what they write about is basically what's gonna happen next. And so I was reading about an article on The Economist. If you'd like, I'm gonna link it in the podcast. So if you're listening now, I'm gonna link this article in the podcast. You can read it yourself. It's called The Digital Currencies That Matter. And it says, get ready for Fed coin and the e-euro. What does that mean? Well, what it means is that the the Federal Reserve Bank is going to release a digital currency. And what they call them is a GovCoin. And this is from the article. These, quote unquote, GovCoins are a new incarnation of money. They promise to make finance work better. But also, look at this, keywords, you got to read in between the lines here. In this article, it says that GovCoins will also shift power from individuals to the state, alter geopolitics, and change how capital is allocated. And then they say they are to be treated with optimism and humility. And so, again, this is a globalist writing the publication. I would never believe that. I don't think that at all. What does it say here? Here is the buried lead. They promise to make finance work better, but also to shift power from individuals to the state. This is what they fear most about Bitcoin is the decentralization of it. And so uh, it, it goes on in the article to talk about how, well, you know, the last innovation the banks really had was uh, ATMs, right? That's what they were saying. The ATMs are really the the, the last innovation they had. Oh, we got to really make our own currency. And then they kind of bash all these well, when you, when you leave it up to Bitcoin and other digital currencies and other exchanges, they're not to be trusted with privacy. So they're this big on privacy, but we already know the government issuing any kind of coin is going to violate our privacy. We know that government is going to do that. Here is the buried lead. Another thing that was said in here, I thought that was fascinating. Okay. One motivation for governments and central banks is a fear of losing control. Today, central banks harness, I just told you about central banks. I just told you about the the confessions of an economic hitman. Now, listen to what I'm saying now reading this article. Today, central banks harness the banking system to amplify monetary policy. That's right. They amplify monetary policy. How wonderful is that? If payments, deposits, and loans migrate from banks into privately run digital realms, central banks will struggle to manage the economic cycle. And of course, they have to put a little sprinkles on the top of that shit show and say, and inject funds into the system during a crisis. Of course, oh, that's what central banks are for. Oh, we need those central banks unsupervised private networks could become a wild West of fraud and privacy abuses. What is more fraudulent than central banking? What is more privacy abusive than central banking? They violate everything. Okay. So I just wanted to say that. How incredible is that? That's so, that's so telling. Okay. So, as a result, this is amazing. I was looking at this. Hold on. It's, uh oh man, I want to say. Uh... Okay, this is important. You need to listen to what I'm about to tell you. Once ascendant, so this, they're talking about the government-run FedCoin. They're talking about the government-issued digital currency. Listen to what I'm saying. Once ascendant, meaning like, omnipresent, right? Everywhere. Once ascendant, GovCoins could become for the state to control citizens. And I quote, think of instant E fines, E fines, meaning electric fines, like digitally fines for bad behavior. Did you hear what I just said? Let me, let me define that better. Once ascendant, these gov coins can be for the state to control citizens, like e-fines, electronic fines, electronic fines for bad behavior. I'm quoting this article in The Economist. So, what is this saying? What what is this saying? Do you not? If you don't understand it, what is it basically saying? Once they issue this digital currency, they're going to make it omnipresent. They're going to make it something that everybody needs to have. They're going to try to get rid of the dollar. They're going to get rid of the money system and that, that, the way it is now. And they're going to try to force and coerce everybody onto FedCoin on the digital currency of the Federal Reserve Bank, okay? And then what's going to happen is they're going to use that, that institutional power to, in their own words, give out fines for bad behavior, For bad behavior. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Do you know what cancel culture is? Have you ever heard of that before? Imagine cancel culture. Imagine getting a fine for misgendering somebody on the internet. Imagine the government sends you a a fine, an electronic fine, because they control all the currency you own as a digital currency. Imagine they send you a fine for saying something negative about a vaccine. Imagine they fine you, they they charge you for uh, saying something negative about the government or even being skeptical about government-issued digital currencies, okay? So I want you to think about that for a second. This is what they're doing. So every day that you don't own Bitcoin, every day that you're not on board with making Bitcoin the world reserve currency, these banking systems and institutions are lag, they are lagging behind right now, but they are going to issue a digital currency that is going to explode. Okay, and it's going to be their their method of control. So that what we want Bitcoin to do, the Federal Reserve is trying to come in and do it. So what Bitcoin was innovating, the Federal Reserve is going to come in and steal that level of innovation, demonize Bitcoin, say that it's environmentally unfriendly, blame climate change on Bitcoin. That'll be the next news headline you're going to read about. Can Bitcoin be committing climate change? This is an update. Bitcoin is... Causing climate change. Bitcoin is environmentally unfriendly. Bitcoin is causing hurricanes. Bitcoin to blame for new rising oceans. Bitcoin to blame for hot temperatures. Bitcoin to blame for fires in Colorado. Bitcoin to blame for fires in California. Bitcoin to blame for winter storms knocking out power. Intent. Bitcoin to blame. So you're going to start getting all these news articles demonizing Bitcoin when the Federal Reserve is ready to unroll their Fed coin. So imagine that every single day you don't buy Bitcoin and you're 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 flirting with these other with Dogecoin and 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 Shiba Inu, which I love, uh, and and Dogecoin. The day we, if we're putting all our money over there, okay, that's that's slowing down. This is listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. Your investment in altcoins is slowing down the mission of Bitcoin. And that mission is to destroy the central banking system. So you need to buy Bitcoin and you need to start telling your friends to buy more Bitcoin. Even if it's 10 bucks, I had somebody ask me a question yesterday and God bless their heart. They thought you had to spend $42,000 to buy Bitcoin. They have no idea how this works. You can buy $5 worth of Bitcoin. You can buy $10 worth of Bitcoin. You can buy any amount of money worth of Bitcoin. You don't need to, you don't need to buy a whole Bitcoin when you, when you buy Bitcoin. Now, you might be laughing, thinking that's funny, but that's how, that's how lost, I think, people are right now. They don't actually know what's going on. So again, look at inflation. Look at gas prices. Don't you think gas prices are going to affect the cost of your food? How do you think food gets to the grocery store? It's called petroleum, buddy. You fucking need it. And I imagine that all kinds of petroleum companies out there and everyone in the world, we're all excited for renewable energy. Okay. Everyone's excited for new energy technology. Trust me. I'm excited for it. I'm thrilled. But you're not going to go and cut off your arm, you know, while you're on the way to maybe getting a better life. Okay. You're not going to do that. You're not going to go cut off your arm on the way to getting uh, a, a mechanical arm. That's stupid. When it's available, it'll be available. So quit bitching. Elon Musk, just so you understand this, and I'm going on a rant now, okay? But Elon Musk is a welfare bitch, okay? I love Elon. I love what he's doing with SpaceX, I love that he's creating innovation and he's, he's challenging the status quo when it comes to space exploration. I like that he's out there making his little electric cars. I think they're adorable. I like that, that he's, you know, there's these lithium mines that uh, lithium mines that are massive, by the way, massive to power the batteries in those cars. Okay. So again, there's no environmental, there's really no environmental incentive. Um, petroleum is way better than electric period. Now, Tesla has got to run for its money. And it's pretty badass. But again, the only reason why I think it was I saw a statistic. One fifth of Californians had to buy a gasoline car after they bought their Tesla because it just was too inconvenient. Electric just doesn't, it's not as convenient as people think. Not saying it's bad. I'm just saying there's a lot more that meets the eye. Okay, than what you think. So, anyways, with that being said, I I've just let I just letting y'all know if you don't know this, is Elon Musk is a Uh, you know, Elon Musk is a, you know, he's a, he's a welfare bitch. You know, he gets paid through carbon credits, which is a federal system. Okay. He gets paid money for his Tesla cars to, to even do business. Okay. If it wasn't for the federal government and the taxpayer, like you and I, if it wasn't for us, Tesla wouldn't exist. Elon Musk wouldn't be wealthy. He is wealthy because of all the carbon credits he gets. So when you, when you see Elon running around challenging the institutional powers by saying he's going to back Bitcoin and Dogecoin and Bitcoin's wonderful and I'm going to use Bitcoin to you know sell my cars and Bitcoin has this massive rally. And then at the same time, you've got the Federal Reserve Bank printing money and having 0% interest saying they can just continue to inflate and you have gasoline prices skyrocketing and the financial indexes are just fucking way off their own charts right now in terms of crisis. And then you have, you have Elon, one of the most, the smartest, funniest, you know, most influential people on the planet right now, the richest person on the planet right now saying he wants to back Bitcoin. Uh, you think the government's not going to give that fucking guy a call and be like, yeah, you shut the fuck up about that. You, you go ahead and tell everybody that Bitcoin is environmentally unfriendly. That's what I want you to tweet now, because if you don't, we're cutting off your carbon credits, bud. We're cutting off your welfare to run your companies. You don't think Elon Musk got a call like that? Let me tell you how the world works. That damn sure happened, okay? I don't know exactly how it happened, okay? But that's more likely than for him to be an idiot and say that it's environmentally unfriendly. Actually, depends on on who you ask, okay? But mainly the Chinese miners are the problem because they're all the coal power plants and all the environmental pollution over there and they're fucking up their country over there in China. I don't give a shit. They're building a power plant, a coal power plant every week in China. So yes, there's a lot of Bitcoin mined in China, mind you, but between 50 and 75%. So it's around that range of all Bitcoin transactions and mining is done on environmentally friendly. uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Renewable energy. So contrary to what Elon Musk lied to you about, he lied. He said, it's not environmentally friendly, but it is because why would he continue to invest in doge? Doge is stupid. Doge is just a little coin. It's not going to, it doesn't have any, it doesn't have the power of a Bitcoin. It doesn't have any of that institutional decentralization that we want in a Bitcoin. So I'm just trying to educate you here. Elon Musk is a welfare bitch. I love him. I love him for many reasons, but be mindful when you, when you hear things like that, be mindful, question what's going on. What's being said. So moving on, moving on. Okay. Okay. Man, I'm, I'm, I don't even think I'm going to hit everything this time. I really don't think so. I really think that. Okay, I was just going to hit this last thing. This is the current events update. Okay. If you're just tuning in, by the way, this will all be uploaded on my podcast on Apple or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay. this We're almost an hour in, actually, so this is perfect. So, Israel, rockets, all this bullshit. You know, America, we're, 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 famously, we're known to fund both sides of the war. Mainly Rockefellers. Okay. Rothschilds, right? Rockefeller oil, standard oil. We were giving oil to Hitler's war machine. The Rockefellers were providing oil for Hitler. Hitler lost World War II mainly because of oil. Okay. By the way, because when the oil dried up from the Rockefellers eventually, they were having to fight in Africa. See, because Germany didn't have energy independence. So I don't want to go back down that tangent right there, but when you strip away a country's energy independence and they are dependent on buying oil from Europe like we're doing now, we're buying gasoline from Europe when we have more oil in Texas than all of Russia and and we were energy independent under Trump, okay, and now we're buying oil, we're buying gasoline from, from Europe. How fucking stupid can you be, okay, but look. In Israel, look, there's a lot of history there, okay? There's a lot of history. My brother had to ask me about this, and I had to literally tell him about the fucking Bible. I had to tell him about Abraham and the 12 tribes of Israel and how that even worked and all of this stuff and all the wars and King David and and all the history that goes into Israel. It's fascinating. It is. But in my personal opinion, there is really no very little geopolitical reason that America should be funding and helping Israel as much as we do. At the same time though, Israel is this tiny fucking country that has Jerusalem, which is the holiest city in the world for many reasons, has Jerusalem in their country. And it is because of that, it is surrounded by Muslim countries. Not all Muslim countries in that area mean to do harm. To Israel, like Egypt, it was Egypt. Actually, used to be more westernized, and it didn't used to be a Muslim country. Now it's kind of more of a Muslim country. But I'm just saying, like Egypt doesn't have any real beef with Israel. Okay, they have good, they have good peace. So it's not that Israel hates Muslims, but Palestine, which was never a country, it was not an actual place. It's Jordan, so it's the country of Jordan. But the problem is when Israel was founded in 1948 and, and all the Jewish people after World War II, Holocaust, all that stuff, right? The Jewish people wanted to, quote unquote, return to their homeland. So the United Nations pretty much just built a country and that is Israel. So this is why a lot of people have problems with Israel is because they see it as a world government project. They see it as a spawn of the United Nations and the United States, right? We basically funded and operated the the building of Israel. Right. So it's like this plot of land. Now, people of all cultures and religions lived in Jerusalem and they existed there. And this was under the Ottoman empire. Uh, and then even before that was the Roman empire, the Roman empire crucified Jesus. Okay. So that was 2000 years ago. So the Roman empire, they, they ran Judea and that's what it was called at the time. There's a province of Judea. And there was a guy named Pontius Pilate, who was the governor there, who executed Jesus, right? It's all in historical records. Funny enough, people still believe that Jesus never existed. I mean, that's interesting. So you've got a lot of history there. The point is, is like, Israel is just this country. It's fending for itself, has a lot of money and uh, has, has a lot of innovation. They do a lot of cool things over there in Israel. Every single person born in Israel has to go and be in the military for at least four years. So they all have to serve in the military. They are extremely um, well-defended. They have a consciousness of defense. They exist in that way. That's how they live, okay? And then you have this conflict of interest with a lot of surrounding Muslim nations. That includes Iran. Iran is a theocracy. It is run by Islam. It is totally run by Islam. And now a lot of reasonable, um, well, I mean, Iranians, but I think of Iranians, I think Aryan, uh, but Persians because Iran is the Persian Empire, right? And Iran being run by Muslims just doesn't fit the Persian people. The Persian people are a very rich culture, a very uh, uh very historically astute. They were uh you know, you had Xerxes and you had uh oh my gosh, there's so many em- emperors that were so fascinating. In Persia, chess was invented. Okay? Chess was invented in Persia, okay? Now, Iran, modern-day Persia today is isn't doing shit. It's a theocracy. And the people fucking hate it there now. They hate it there. If you just Google image some if you Google image Iran in the 1960s and 1970s, totally fucking chill place. People like rock stars and, and musicians and I think Elvis like went to Iran. It was like the coolest thing ever. Like you go to Iran, you go and you hang out in Persia all the historical monuments and stuff that were super dope and actually it was American back to regime where the the uh oh my gosh, what was his name? I forgot his name. It was the Shah of Iran. We put him in power and so what happened was you had an Islamic fundamentalist group overthrow that government and they hated America. The whole system was anti-American, but for good reason. I mean, we came in there we were, we were the economic hit, man. He, he has a personal story about what we were doing there too, but it's like he was a part of it. And so, yeah, you know, there were some issues there, right? America and companies and oil and all these issues. And so we had a puppet there and the Iranian people are very, like I said, they're very proud people. You know, they, 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 they had a revolution, 1979 and Ayatollah Khomeini, He's the guy. He's the the father of the current uh, Ayatollah there now. Uh, he was he and he he was a leader and he got po- he was popular. He was he he had a populist revolution to take over Iran, but all of his promises of helping the people totally vanished. The whole place is a shit show theocracy now, totally run by the most re- repressive is Islamic um, Sharia government. It's horrible there. Okay, Iran is horrible. Okay. And the people there want to be free. There's even a movement there called make Iran great again. So anyway, giving y'all some Persian history, but you got issues there. Everyone has fucking issues. This is a really an overall point about Israel. There's so many issues all over the world that the Israeli conflict, I don't agree with, especially conservatives. Just we have to back Israel. And I, I stand with Israel and it's like, dude, let's let's have a negotiation here. Let's have a conversation. This is what Trump was able to do. This is why he was able to declare peace and do these things because he used the American system, the economic prosperity that we export out of America because we, we are the number one consumer nation, meaning we buy all the products in the world. So we're the most prosperous. We're the wealthiest country. So, you know, we're able to actually buy products, right? We're able to afford it, right? So we use that economic power. Trump is smart. He goes in and says, hey, look, Israel, Palestine, Jordan, Egypt, you guys, the United Emirates, you know, it's like, hey, you need to make a peace deal where you can, you can start making some commerce happen and bring economic activity to your nations. Why don't you think about doing that? Because if you have the, and this is called the Abrahamic peace accords, because both the Islam faith and the Christian faith and the Jewish faith are Abrahamic, meaning they come from the 12 tribes of Israel. They come from that historical context. So they called it the Abrahamic Accord. That's what the peace treaty was called with Trump. Signed with America, I think United Emirates, and I think it was Jordan and Israel and some others, okay? The problem with Palestine right now is Hezbollah and Hamas. These are two different terrorist organizations. One's more backed by Iran, and you have others. There's so many conflicts there. The issue with this all started was they they fire rockets all the time, randomly, terrorists do, right, right? And think of terrorists in 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 uh, in Jordan and in Palestine. Think of those people as more like the mob. You know, they're kind of gangster-like, they're criminal-like. They have criminal networks. That's how they live and exist. So uh, the, the the government doesn't necessarily approve of what these quote-unquote mafioso uh, Muslim extremists are doing in their country. So they don't necessarily have any control over them. But at the same time, the government uses them to do stuff just like our government used the mafia to run cia operations and how the cia was using the mafia to deliver drugs and heroin and all this other stuff into the american public to make money that's how the cia was funded was through opium and all these other things okay yeah like i said i do my research i understand how the world works so when you have something like israel you have rockets firing in there. It's all terrorism because it's totally fucking random. And they're killing innocent people. Sure. Is it a big deal? Or are there, are there's an iron dome and everyone's like, oh, well, Israel has all this technology. And Israel's so powerful that they could do anything. And it's like, well, yeah, exactly. So you're not going to go and you're not going to go with somebody who's armed to the teeth and you have a knife. You're not going to go up to that person and try to stab them in the neck. Okay. Because they're going to fucking shoot and kill you. And then... For that person to be measured in their response. And they have all these guns on them. They can shoot you with any of them. And then they just use the taser on you. And you're the one with the knife. That's what Hamas is. Hamas is firing all these rockets into Israel. And Israel is just defending itself. Blowing up all the little missiles in the air. That's what you're seeing on these clips. But some of these rockets are coming in. And they're blowing people up. And guess what? It's fucking spontaneous. That's the problem. Hamas doesn't have the technology or anything to actually kill anyone that they want to kill. So it's terrorism. So they're just randomly firing rockets in response to an eviction here, something that Israel did here, the police did over there in Israel and Israel's this and that. So it's like the Black Lives Matter thing. It's like, oh my gosh, black, somebody black died. Let's go shoot another cop fucking randomly. It's like, no dude, how about have a trial and, you know, convict that cop of what he did or she did and... And, 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 and let justice be served. You know, the problem is they're firing in rockets. And so Israel at a, one point is like, Hey, you need to cease fire. This is not right. You know, this is what's going on. And then they fire more rockets the next night. And then Israel is like, okay, then, well, we already know where some of your hangouts are. We already know with the intelligence we have, we already know where the terrorist groups are meeting up. We already know where Hamas is. We already know where their underground tunnel networks are. So what does Israel do? In response, they shoot and destroy targeted military installations. Like apartment buildings that had innocent people in there. So the point is, is it's war. Civilians die. Yes. Are more Palestinians dying? Yes. Yes. But you cannot have Hamas continue to fire fucking random rockets. I'm not, I'm not really on Team Israel or Team Hamas or or Palestinians, I get what they're doing. They, are just trying to stand up for their people, but it's warfare. So stop getting emotional about a totally different country. So people need to focus on what's going on here. Uh, and that's the problem. Honestly, that is the problem with American diplomacy and foreign affairs over the last hundred fucking years. In America since 1920 when the Council on Foreign Relations was formulated and funded by the Rockefeller Foundation. So we've had this for a hundred fucking years. We can't get our shit together and we keep getting in these wars that are in foreign soil and our Americans are dying in different countries fighting for their shit and in many cases the corporatocracy's bullshit. To get opium out of Afghanistan, that's why we're in Afghanistan. We're not trying to destroy the Taliban. It's fucking never going to happen. We're trying to get opium. We're trying to we're trying to own their opium fields. And the Taliban, for all the shitty things they do, all they're doing is defending their opium. They want ownership over the opium pro- production. And a lot of those Taliban, believe it or not, god damn it, the Taliban want to stop the opium completely. They think it's a big problem. That's not every Taliban. I'm not speaking for all the Taliban out there, if you're out there listening. It's just that the Taliban are over here like, look, America's over here buying up the opium. They're using the opium in their pharmaceutical drugs. And they prescribe those drugs to you and I. I mean, you see how this is all connected? It's just ridiculous. So we need to stop fighting for for, for Palestine or Israel or Palestine. If you're not this or you're not... That's how Americans get duped into foreign wars. This is what we this is what we do. We foment at the mouth of other countries doing their bullshit. And we feel like we should get involved. It's like, okay, all those people, you know, protesting for Israel and protesting for Palestine. Okay, why don't you go sign up for the U.S. military and just go ship your fine ass over there to go fight for the Palestinians then? Is that what you want? Do you want to be at war with Israel Maybe. I mean, do you know what you're asking for? Does Israel need international condemnation? Sure. Hamas? Sure. America at this second gave money to Palestine. We gave billions of dollars to Palestine and to Hamas. Then we gave billions of dollars in weapons funding to Israel. America just openly funded two sides of the war over there. Think about that. You're not hearing that shit on the news. You're hearing this from me because I actually read and understand what's going on. And that's not being egotistical. It's just, you got to understand this stuff. Quit getting emotional over dumb shit. I'm not saying it's dumb, but just don't be emotional over stuff you do not understand. If you have a question, you should probably just ask me, honestly, if you know me personally, but more importantly, you should look at both sides of a conflict. So anyway, uh, I have other things that I'm going to refer to, but, uh, I, I'm not going to do it. We're, we're good. We're over an hour. You guys are an absolute blessing for tuning in. Um, and, uh, let's see, I'm going to read some of this, um, uh... Yeah, exactly. It was all of it was. Yeah, she's talking about Israel. I'm reading this comment there. Yeah, no, it was an eviction. That's how it kind of started. This, this, this most recent sort of barrage of bullshit. It was an eviction. They were evicting these Palestinians. The Israelis were evicting Palestinians from uh, their apartment building. You know. So um, yeah, it's really it's really insane it, it, because Israel is safe essentially. You you can go there as a Muslim. You can go there. Okay. And and actually visit and hang out and Americans visit. I mean, but you can't do that in Libya right now. I mean, you can't visit um, Iran. Okay. Um, so again, just saying, there's a lot. There's a lot there. So, uh, but yeah, if you want to message me, we can message, and uh, I'd be I'd be happy to do that because that's that's good for me as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'll be I'll be happy to do that. And uh, for those of you listening to the podcast, I am I'm happy you guys tuned in. I appreciate it. You guys are awesome. I'm going to continue to cover the topics that nobody else will cover. Uh, We'll look into everything I can. And if you're interested in publications that I was referring to, I will be posting them in the article. And if you're watching here on Instagram, you should subscribe to the podcast. And uh, check out some of the podcasts that are currently in the link in my bio. And then you can subscribe to the Matrix Breakers podcast there. So awesome. Appreciate you tuning in. And uh, yeah, so thanks a lot. I'm going to close the podcast out. Peace out. Have a great day.